Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Finding Backcountry podcast coming at you from my basement. And I've got the person that I taught everything to and the student that eventually became the teacher, the one, the only Hubba. Also also known as my brother. I'm coming at you from my basement. Yeah. Basement to basement. And this is, if you can hear me yawning, It's because it is literally New Year's Eve night, and this is what you do when you've either been married 10 years, 10 plus years like I have, and have no kids, or have a kid like Jason does, because um, I assume you're not doing anything either, right? Nope. Yeah. I'm just about till I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I was just laying on the floor. So I'm going to try to get some audio of this. But this, yeah, there it is. Is me cracking open a bang energy drink at 1048 at night. That I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty caffeine intolerant, unfortunately. And I have this thing where. Like I can literally be drinking a bang or a rock star or something like that. And I could be to sleep like 15 minutes later if I want, you know, not healthy at all. And that's the way I am. Yeah. It's got to be like over centered milligrams of caffeine to even like get me super jittery anymore. Right. Right. Just enough to kill a horse, you know? And that's yeah. about where I'm at because this is actually my <laughs> my second bang today. <laughs> so you guys are in for a treat. <laughs> uh, I apologize. You're have a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're a paramedic, so talk yeah, me I'm through. A paramedic. <laughs> yeah, just talk me through Don't what I need to do. You should stop. <laughs> do you do you feel like like from your experience of being a paramedic? now after what a year and a half maybe well you've been uh, you've been almost, almost three years yeah you've been doing runs for a long time but do you feel like there's anything really that you've learned that's like oh yeah that would help in the backcountry or do you feel like like if something happens back there we're just screwed anyway because you don't have the right like medicines and stuff like that um well Depend. There's definitely things that depends we obviously. could carry and think, things we could do. That being said, I literally, I don't even take a Band-Aid <laughs> when we go hunting. Like, I have ibuprofen. I don't have anything. I don't have a tourniquet. I don't have 
a Band-Aid. I don't have anything for blisters. See? Like, literally nothing. I have, like, a bottle of 800 milligram ibuprofen tablets. <laughs> well. That's literally all I carry. <laughs> for most people, for most people, that's all that they should be carrying because, frankly, we don't know how to use, you know, 90% of the crap that people will carry in a first aid kit, I feel like. You, on the other hand, actually know how to apply a lot of that stuff and you probably should have a little med kit with some crap in it and some you know tourniquets and band-aids and quick clot or whatever because you would know what you're doing so i hold you responsible yeah. if i die in the backcountry and you're there i hold you responsible <laughs> uh well i think just the fact that we've been doing it for long enough that um, we just like feel comfortable with it. That's yeah. when you usually have problems. I was gonna say that's that's <laughs> so. what makes me worried. Uh, yeah, now we're flirting. Matter of time. Now we're flirting with hunting in grizzly bear country, and it, it is. It's just some, it's just a matter of time. Uh, I tell I tell my wife. My wife is very clearly. She clearly knows that. Um, if I die, by the hand of a bear or the paw of a bear rather uh i went how i was supposed to go i mean what more could a guy who hunts the backcountry ask for than to get taken out and go head to head toe to toe with a grizzly bear like you're gonna lose obviously but at least you go down with honor you know i yeah i'd go out swinging man just give that bear all it can handle yeah <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yeah, man. That'd be pretty, pretty epic. Yeah, we, we probably should start a little bit better. We don't even carry, um, you know, everyone nowadays is carrying like a Delorme inReach or whatever it is where you can, you know, SOS and text message satellite, all this kind of stuff that's cool. And like, I've gone the other way. Um, great. My dryer, my washer is fired up. Can you hear that? Let me see if I can get what this. Was that? Can you hear my washer fired up? The one day a year I my can. wife does laundry. Hold on. Let me put you down. You keep talking about medical stuff or something. Bears. Okay. Luckily, on our elk hunt in the grizzly country, we had uh, a little doggie named Opie, and she was our uh, our bear bait. We also had some horses that we were helping would get eaten before we do. But that's my spiel on bear country. Just have a dog or something that you eat instead of you. Or llamas. Llamas are great. Great bait as well. I didn't hear any of that. But if someone can hear my washer <laughs> draining, I apologize. You know what? I don't apologize because it's a free podcast, you know, and that's the kind of interruptions that you're going to expect on a free podcast. So here we go. <sighs> I was just telling everyone how in grizzly country, the best thing you can do is get a dog like Opie or yeah. <laughs> llamas or something, yeah. and then just pray that the bear gets them first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hate to say it that way or think that way, but really like, um, yeah, that it did. It did make me feel better. I mean, I don't know how much Opie was aware of what was going on, but it did make me feel better that she was curled up 
in the uh, Kafaru teepee between us, you know, just in case. But because I don't feel like horses really care, or or I I don't know. I mean, they're probably going to start wrestling a little bit if a bear comes rolling through there, but they don't have like a yeah. a warning cry like a llama does, you know. So well, I'm sure they'd be freaking out. Yeah. You would know. Yeah, you'd hear some maybe some whinnying or restless horses for sure but oh man what a year like literally perfect night to do this and uh that's one that's one story that you know there isn't really a hunting story um to go with it but man we uh i always have wanted to hunt in grizzly bear country and I expected it to go a little bit differently than it did, and that's fine. But regardless, um, we we checked it off the box. You know what I mean? I mean, we went into the thick of grizzly bear country, had a tag, you know, hunted for, I don't know, a total of whatever it was, four days or something, five days. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was... You know, and, and you think like, you know, if you haven't done it and you think, you know, whatever you're thinking, like, oh, not that big a deal or not that cool or not that, you know, nothing to really be proud of, like, and you've never done it, then you can't say that <laughs> because there's just, there's just a little bit different feeling in the back of your mind when, you know, you get out there. And you've left the truck and you're walking, you know, in the middle of nowhere and you just realize, and then the sun's going down and you're not back to a truck or a trailer or a house or whatever. And you realize that, man, like, it's not even a level playing field. Like, you know, when when I'm at home, it's tipped completely the other way. When you're out there, though it's not a level playing field. Like it's a completely uneven playing field and you're completely at the mercy. You know, if, if they decide to, something decides to go down, you're probably going to lose. But So it was yeah. definitely something. Yeah, it was, I mean, we luckily didn't have any encounters or anything like that, but it's just, just always in the back of your mind. And, you know, you're always just kind of like, as well as like an eerie feeling like at any second, like everything could just, you know, go to crap and you're just total chaos and whatnot. So it definitely changed it. You know, we're used to hiking around Utah, Nevada, where you know, you don't even think twice about lions or coyotes or anything. So a little different experience. But definitely, um, wasn't necessarily as fun, I don't think, <laughs> just because having that just kind of worry always on your mind. But yeah, I don't know. Luckily, we didn't have any problems. But yeah, yeah, and just when you know we were there just long enough and didn't have any encounters that honestly, like I I had forgotten about it. You know, when you're like first morning in there and you're hiking in, I was like, dude, I was like full alert. Like I was, it was gun, gun slinging match at OK Corral. Like I had my pistol on hand on my pistol, like 98% of the time and was like head on a swivel and just knew that like every crevice and every tree we went around and 
there's going to be a bear, right? The first like day and a half. Well, by like day four and a half or whatever it was, um, when we went back in the second time too, it was like, we're, I mean, we're in there and I'm really not even, I was thinking about it at night, obviously, um, once the sun goes down, but you know, during the daytime, especially not even crossing my mind really. Um, and then we hike, we, we come out, um, rode the horses out that day, uh, big storms blowing in and didn't want to get caught in that. And, uh, the guys at the trailhead are like, oh yeah, did you, you know, did you see this bear? Yeah. We saw this huge, um, what I thought was a huge, uh, grizzly looked like a boar. I mean, this thing's belly was like, looked like it could have been dragging on some of the brush below. I mean, just huge hump on his back, like unmistakably a grizzly bear. They're like, yeah, you just, you know, waltzed, you know, eight, 900 yards up here above the trailhead, you know, coming from the direction that we were in. And you're just like, Oh geez, like kind of hit you again. And he brought you back to reality, but, um, yeah. Yeah. The same way I was, Super freaked out like the first day or so, and then you know, by after three, four days, you kind of had to like remind yourself, like, pay attention, you're yeah, you're in grizzly country, and you know, you know, that's that's really you know, the thing that it was the most different from hunting in grizzly country compared to what we're used to, but yeah, you know, maybe, maybe next elk hunt or deer hunt up there will actually have an encounter yeah. from like a mile away. <laughs> I I went on another um, little hiking uh, hunt with a couple buddies from work a little bit later, just like a maybe a week later after that in a different area, but still, you know, right here in the heart of grizzly country. And we're deer hunting, but, um, you know, we had this spot picked out that we were going to hike in for the day and kind of hunt and glass around. And, you know, we're like, well, what time do you guys want to meet? And I was like, I'm not hiking into the dark. Like not, I'm not voluntary. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just not going to do it. So we met just enough time to show up, you know, right before first light and then started hiking, you know, right at the crack at dawn basically. And, we got in there and there was, you know, we get up to our little glassing point where we were really expecting for things to get good. And, and actually right before we crested the ridge, boom, my buddy heard a shot and, and I didn't, I didn't necessarily hear it. Cause I think I was walking, there's a little bit of snow, but he hears a shot, uh, way up the Canyon there. And sure enough, you know, we get to the top of the hill and run into a couple other guys and their buddy was up there and had killed a, you know, a buck, I don't, they didn't, they didn't say it was a big buck necessarily, but, um, we get talking to them and they had been in there, you know, they had probably hit that ridge at first light. And I was like, man, you know, a lot of other hunts, I'm, I'm like, I would have been pissed at myself, but that one, I was just legit, like tipped my cap. I'm like, Hey, you guys earned it. (laughs) Like we didn't want it that bad. And, but it's just, you know, uh, guys do it you know so there's a there's even other levels to be in here i mean we haven't even seen one technically or been had an encounter so um didn't see a track or didn't see a track or scat or anything so but they're there yeah definitely changed how we normally hunt 
Yeah. So that was fun. Um, uh, next year, next time, whatever, we'll, <laughs> we'll go back and we can pay back. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, uh, we've still got some unfinished business there for Wyoming elk tag or elk hunt, but man, application season, like it's, it's j- literally just around the corner. Um, especially for like non-residents, Wyoming's going to open up their, uh, elk applications like either tomorrow or the next day or whatever it is. And yeah, here we go, you know, round and round and round, but, um, Man, it's a it's a weird feeling. Wanna, What's that? I just want to say one thing about the Wyoming non-resident elk application. <laughs> I don't know what in the heck the fishing game there in Wyoming is going through, but they moved the the application period is still January first to the thirty first, and before last year the results were posted by like the end of February. Yeah, but now they moved it back to like May, so. Now you have to front like seven hundred dollars in the regular draw, or like twelve hundred in the special draw, by January thirty first if you're going to apply, and then you have to wait until May yeah. to get your money back or your tag. And it's, it's just like, it's like, like it went from so being stupid. yeah, it went from being one of the earliest and fastest results to. Yeah. Still one of the earliest, the yeah, still one of the earliest with probably one of the latest uh, draw results. And man, that just changes everything, right? Because there was years there, um, I remember the, like Utah, for example, I was toggling back and forth between, was I going to draw, at the time it was a non-resident Wyoming elk tag, and I also had a pretty good handful of points for elk in Utah. And the nice thing was I could put an application in for Wyoming elk tag, see if I drew, if I didn't, which I didn't ever, um, I could turn in my Utah application accordingly. You know, I could be more aggressive or whatever instead of, you know, if I had drawn a Wyoming tag, I would have just sat out. So now that's completely out the window. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a few things. I mean, they do their, uh, they do their counts, you know, and so you have a more accurate, uh, you know, you have a more accurate count of what the tag numbers, you know, should be or are going to be, you know, and I also have heard that it's, uh, Oh, somebody was just saying today at work that they thought it was an outfitter uh, deal, you know, where they, uh, I didn't, I haven't put that together though. How would that be an advantage um, for an outfitter? Is that just like, you got to book your. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be like, you, you can start booking clients earlier. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, re- really. Like, I hate to say this because everyone uses this, but it's really probably just whatever their reason, quote unquote, was that they put down on paper when they made the decision, the end means or the real goal was probably just money. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, if we if we can yeah. use if we can use tag quotas, you know, because why? Why? Why wouldn't they be doing it before? I don't know. Like, but if we can use tag quotas to 
you know, talk these people into putting in their app in January and then pushing the results back to May, then we're going to hold on to, I mean, think about millions of dollars, probably hundreds of thousands, I guess. I don't know if it's that much, but, um, you know, we're going to hold on to a substantial amount of money and make interest on it or whatever they do for, you know, four or five months now, instead of really not doing that at all. So I don't know, you know, you like to give game management uh, agencies the benefit of the doubt. And then, you know, then they do stuff like this and it's like, man, like just push the deadline back. I mean, at least you can modify your app, I think until all the way up until, um, it's like May, May 7th, you can modify it, and then it'll come out like the 14th yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but that money up front, man, like, it, it hurts, you know? And it's like, yeah, I I didn't yeah, plan on going it's... down this road, but, like, now that we're on it, I mean, you know, I, I get it. On the, one, on the one hand, right, on the one hand, um, I love I love the aspect of, like, people have to pay to play because it weeds out people who aren't as serious as us. Right. Yeah. Most, you know, most say people are just like, Oh, it's only $10. Like, yeah, I'll come yeah. in the hat. And if they draw, they, you know, figure it out. Right. Right. I mean, if you've got a front $1,200, like, whew, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, do I really want this? Utah is a perfect example in the other direction where, you know, frankly, they should be charging double for their hunting license. $65 right now. And it should be $165 like most of these other states. And then they completely, like, they completely hose over the residents and give all the benefit, in my opinion, to the non-resident by letting non-residents apply and build bonus points for all limited entry species and all the once-in-a-lifetime species every single year for a measly, what, 10 or 15 extra bucks. You know, so I can run the gamut in Utah as a non-resident and build points for every single thing that they offer, really, unless I'm on a waiting period, like, you know, I am for elk or whatever. And it only costs me, like, it's like less than 200 bucks or whatever, you know, and the same amount of points uh, in another state, you know, would probably end up costing you, well... Like Arizona and Nevada, the hunting licenses alone are like around 150, you know, and then you got the same like yeah. $15 point. But anyway, so, you know, yeah, back to Wyoming. I mean, so, so where I was going with that is then on the other hand, though, it just seems like all you hear is hunter recruitment is down. And hunters in the field is down and there's not as many people in the field and blah, blah, blah. And I don't. I don't really like hearing that because I don't necessarily believe it or whatever. And, you know, I feel like it's, I don't know, it's like, you know, this weird, like, well, yeah, maybe, but there seems to be more people in the field than ever. And you're always running into guys. And like, so it's, you know, plus I don't like that. Like, you know, there's this whole thing of like, you know, everyone, I just feel like it's like this easy you know, it's like a buzzword, you know, or like a buzz, uh, you know, it's like this feel good sentence to say that you want more people in the field, but then you're the same guy that's cussing, you know, when you see that guy on the field and he shoots your deer out from under you, like literally shoots your deer out from under you. 
you know, and you're and you're pissed, and you like almost feel like you had a, you people talk like they had a right to you know that deer, and like how could someone shoot? Well, you know. So my my point and where I'm going with all that is like, you know, you see states that do stuff like this, and it's like they're trying to not encourage people to come there. You know what I mean? And and hunt, and it's yeah. like. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I, it, it frustrated me too. I'm a resident now, luckily, so you know I only care so much. Um, but every state has its weird little quirks um, that you have to deal with, and yeah, I wasn't happy about that one either. So, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, I have zero points now, obviously, and I was like, you know, kind of kicking around. There's a couple like uh, tags I can like. You know, it's like 10% odds or less, like a long shot to even try and draw a zero point. And last year, you know, I probably would have put in because I would have got that money back in like a month or two. But now, like, it's not even worth putting in because yeah. I'm like, you know, well, um, chances of me drawing are like next to nothing. And then I'm going to be out, you know, however much money, $700 or whatever yeah. for you know, five, six months. Like it's just, it might, it's probably not even worth it. You know, and, and the fact that you brought that up now, now that you say that here's, you know, devil's advocate, the other side. Um, I, you know, I guess I don't mind, I guess that I don't mind having systems in place or things like that in place that make people only apply for hunts, like only actually put in an application when they seriously want to draw it. Does that make sense? Because think about all the states out there that you can just throw an app in for um, that cost you almost nothing unless you actually draw it. And so you just, you know, like you just throw an app in because it's cheap or because you don't have to front a bunch of money or whatever. And you really know that you're not going to draw and you're not even planning on drawing or, you know, might not even want to necessarily draw that year. But if you did, you would make it work. Well, all that does is like muddies up the drawing odds for everyone. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Now that you say that, like maybe that is, you know, a benefit and not giving them the credit for that's why they did that by any means. They're not that smart, but, um, you know, maybe there's a little sun, you know, a little bright spot of that keeping people out who aren't as serious. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I, it, every time you see like a tag increase, I feel like, um, you know, or like a fee increase or like something that the state does that makes it like way worse to hunt there. You think like, Oh man, like this is going to be the thing that keeps people from applying. And then like, it doesn't, <laughs> I don't know. like people, yeah. you know, you almost feel like the, the, the money aspect of applying for these hunts is just has no you know, it's just completely, it doesn't matter. You know, people, people will just keep applying. Now, what I don't realize is that, is that guys, guys these days are spending like their whole paycheck on hunting crap. So what the <laughs> hell is another couple, uh, $50, or whatever. Like, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm already spending, I don't even know how much every year. Now that my wife is like pretty big in hunting, it's like, <laughs> it's almost doubled because she's wanting to put everything that I put in for. <laughs> and so, you know, what the heck's another 
fifty dollars in every state. Yeah. <laughs> every guy wants his wife, quote unquote, to start hunting until he's like, Oh gosh, you want all the nice gear too? Uh <laughs> Yeah. Whoops. Oh my gosh, I can't even I'm like, you know, when you're buying your own gear, you're like you know it's expensive. And you're like, oh well, I need it. You know, like whatever. Here we go. <laughs> you're lying. Uh, you're lying. Then, lying to yourself to get it. Yeah, and then when you like gotta buy it for your wife because she wants all the, you know, I bought. We got a. She got a, a like a year old Matthews bow, like a thousand dollars. She's got a, a sweet backpack for Christmas, and she's got all first like camo. Same exact stuff, quality of stuff that you'd be. Yeah, same quality of stuff you'd be getting if if you're getting it for yourself though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, and it's you know I I'm I'm kind of in the same boat, and uh, yeah, I feel it too. But it's also you know as long as as long as they're they're in it for the right reason, and they're actually in it, you know, because they want to be in it, like then you like you know you have no right and and you shouldn't say anything and that makes you feel good you know well if she you know i'd you know i'd still do it but if she was like wanting all the top quality stuff and then you know she ends up putting in two days every year i'd be like you know maybe but you know jenna grinded it out on that about elk hunt in november and it was so cold and you know and she hunted hard on the archery hunt in Utah for probably seven days, and just you know, so she she's earned it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jen just sent me. I was at a trade show for a while, and I get a picture from her one day, and she's at the range by herself. Like she just packed up her bow. You know, we I've <laughs> I've taken her to the range, you know, quite a few times with her bow, and and even when I'm there with her, I don't. Um, you know, I just, it's kind of the same concept. Like, I feel like if I have to be like, if I have to take you to the range and then tell you to pull an arrow out of your quiver and tell you to shoot, you know, one more and one more and one more, like that's just the wrong reason. So, so a lot of times we'll just pack up and I'll tell her I'm going to the range. Like if you want to shoot, throw your bow in and she always does. And then once we get there, I almost purposely like just leave her alone and just let her shoot and just let her learn archery. Yeah you know, for a few reasons. One is if I get too involved, like, you know how that is with your significant other, like it's just going to turn into a fight or whatever. So, but really, you know, part of it too, is just seeing like, you know, is she just want to be over there and keep shooting, you know, and that tells you a lot if they get there and they, you know, fling six arrows and then they're sitting there on their phone or whatever, then that's, you know, probably a red flag. But anyway, yeah, she sent me a picture. Um, she was at the range, shot her best group, and was there all by herself and loaded up and went down there, and that made me really proud. And it makes it, you know, it's like, yeah, I want to get you whatever nice stuff you think you need or want, you know, for hunting if you're if you're into it. So, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I I feel like so many guys have wives that like, you know, maybe showed a little interest in the hunting, and when the guy, the husband, like wants to hunt so badly yeah. he's just like forcing her to do all these things and beat down like she just doesn't give a crap like yeah. she doesn't want to go she would rather be at home you know like and yeah if, if you're that guy yeah, you're, you're doing it for the wrong reason you're doing it for yourself so yeah and uh and I, and and even one step further is like you know 
pushing them, even if they kind of want to go, um, you know, like making it too extreme for them too fast. I was listening to Snyder and he had his wife on and, uh, you know, they were talking about that exact thing. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're, significant other it doesn't have to be a wife necessarily it seems that that's how it usually is but if your significant other does show interest and then you take them out and you know try to show them like the most extreme situation that you've built up you know 23 years of your life or whatever getting to and you try to show them you know, because that's where you're at, like what, you know, whatever the reason is, maybe how cool you are or how hardcore it is, or you just know that they're going to like it too. Like then you'll, you can also, <coughs> excuse me, you can, af- yeah. you can effectively ruin it for them. You know, like you can yeah. take someone who actually was interested in it and, and just completely turn them off from it because you, you know, you just, exposed them to too much too fast like too extreme and that's you know you got to realize like yeah like yeah the example is uh you know ashley she showed some interest in archery hunting so i'm like all right you know like two christmas ago i bought her like a you know decent little hoy bow like 500 hundred dollar bow and she shot it she was shooting quite a bit same thing she would she would post pictures like on instagram of her shooting her bow and i'm at work you know, I'm like, oh, she's actually pretty serious about this. Like, and then, uh, she, uh, you know, was showing, still showing interest and, and wanted a new bow. And so, you know, I was all for trying getting her a new higher end bow. Yeah. You know, she, she actually showed that she cared about it and was interested. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, was that, so that, uh, hunt that she was on, and was archery hunting is that the that's the same hunt that you ended up killing your buck this year yeah the utah general hunt tell uh tell that story because i like as odd as this is um and this i guess is just how guys are or at least how we are as brothers like i mean we've seen each other a dozen times at least since then and i don't even think i've heard the whole story (laughs) yeah well, I don't think you've heard that story. Uh, your odd dad story. Maybe I listened to your last podcast or two podcasts ago that you had shot and missed like 700 yards. 850. And I don't, re- I don't remember. Oh yeah. Okay. I don't remember if you had told me that or not, but I didn't remember it. I'm like, I have no idea about. No. <laughs> I, now, just now that you're in Wyoming, I'm still here in Nevada. It's just, you know, we talk on like a need to know basis type of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's usually a text and it's usually, you know, hunting or business related or some kind. And it's, it's literally that it's like something to do with hunting gear yeah. or a hunt or a future hunt, at least not a past hunt. Cause why would we, you know, be texting about that? And so, yeah. So, uh, area that, you know, we've hunted before and, uh, yeah, I mean, just no, kind of tell that story. This was a this was a totally totally new area and a new state. No, that this, I don't know anything about. No, this is just this is the Wasatch, the same place we always hunted. I don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is up in uh, northern Utah, the Wasatch. Yep. 
It's good, really Big good. Bucks everywhere. Big bucks everywhere. <laughs> There's really no people either. It's crazy. So, yeah. yeah, I've I've hunted it a lot. I've hunted it like four years now. I've never seen another hunter. <laughs> so, oh, pretty. Gosh. It's a it's a gym. Like <laughs> you should all go there. <laughs> uh, anyways, no. So this is yeah. Unit, you know, we've hunted for a while. I'll just say this, like, people were always talking about, like, you know, having to find, trying to draw these better tags, like, you know, late rut hunt, or, you know, the best archer tag in the state, and blah, 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 blah. Limited draw. Yeah, just the best, to have the best hunt, you know, the best opportunity, the best, just everything. And... I've heard Robbie Denny and I don't know, whoever else say it a million times, like the best hunts are the ones that you can do pretty much every single year because those are the hunts that you learn. And the Utah general hunt is that hunt for me. And frankly, if, if I had to choose one deer hunt to do every year again for the rest of my life, you know, maybe I'd choose the Henry, <laughs> but you know, this is like, a general unit that I know that I know like the back of my hand that I've hunted a million times, like this is the hunt I would choose. Yeah. Every year I know I know where to go. I don't have to scout. I can just show up opening day and be like, there's gonna be bucks right here. Guarantee yeah. you. And you know, it's just so it's it's funny. Anyway, well it's, and that's funny because like um I remember grandpa Whitwer um you know, for years and years when he was kind of towards the tail end of his hunting, you know, career or whatever you want to call it, but, but still, uh, still able to get out and at least apply every year. Um, he would always, you know, we would always say, Hey grandpa, like, man, you're a Nevada resident and you have all these points built up. Um, you know, we've hunted some of these other units in the state and like, there's some pretty big bucks in some of these other units, either here or there or wherever. And every time he would say, no, I just want to apply for the same place that I've always hunted the, my stomping grounds, he would call them like where I grew up hunting, you know, because he knew it and he liked it. And that's just, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't, I don't think it's exactly the same reasons, you know, that you like to hunt the same area necessarily, but like, I can definitely understand more now because at the time it was like, well, yeah, but there's bigger bucks somewhere else that you could draw. So that's all that matters, you know? And, but for him, it was, you know, like, you know, it was just like, that's yeah. what he knew and he knew he could be successful there and he didn't want to, you know, go messing around with some other unit that he had to relearn all over again. And he probably would have taken him, you know, years and years and years. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, there's definitely something you said about being familiar with an area and just knowing it. I think it's one of the most important things that, you know, you can do or know um, hunting to be consistently successful. Yeah. Well, and so many of these Western states, like, you know, everyone, there's always the hot spot or the hot unit or the hot state or whatever I feel like for deer, but really, like, really? like we've talked about this before 
man, there's just, there is a good buck, like a buck that let's be honest, most guys would just be ecstatic to put their tag on, on almost, I mean, definitely in every state, like that's not even a question, like big, big buck in every state. There's a, a, a you know, a Boone and Crockett, I would say buck in every single Western state. Aside from maybe California for mule deer, I don't I don't have any clue about mule deer in California. Uh, Who cares? Even there, even there, there's certain areas that have you know huge bucks. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and uh, and one step further on some sort of a relatively easy to draw unit, whether it's like Idaho over the counter, Colorado zero to one point unit type of a thing you know, Nevada, even, um, some of those kind of forgotten units and, you know, central and South central Nevada that, you know, isn't 241 and 231 and, you know, 221 and 111s. Like there's, there is big bucks in easy to draw units in every single state in the West. Yeah. And so pick, yeah. pick the one that's closest to you and, you know, and run with it, uh, is pretty good advice. I think. Yeah. And that's what you've yeah, done, I, man. I, and that's, so, it's, it's, it's paid off. It, it definitely has. Um, yeah, it's paid off. I mean, the hours and the miles and the trail cameras that you've ran just on that unit, like it's, it's clearly paid off. It's funny. I like, I think back, uh, about all the, like the deer I've killed in the past, you know, five, six years. <laughs> and I think all but one was in Utah. Yeah. Uh, my, I killed a buck in Wyoming, and I can't think of another deer. You know, I killed some in Nevada growing up, and um, one in Nevada about you know seven years ago. But literally every other buck I've killed has been in Utah. Yeah, Colorado's kicked our butt. Um, you know, I guess those are really the only three states that hunted deer. But yeah, yeah, so. <clears throat> Well, you want me to jump into the story then? Yeah, kind of how yeah, it, I want to hear. I want to hear how it went down. Mm-hmm. Well, so like I said, this is you know me and my wife both had those tags, and uh, this was her first. She she had never killed a deer. She literally never killed a deer. The only thing she had killed prior to this year was uh, a calf elk which ended up being a bull, so she killed a baby bull. (laughs) (laughs) That was in, like, 2017. So, 2018, she didn't get anything. And then uh, 2019, this year, she drew a Utah archery tag with me and then uh, a late season Nevada elk tag. So, we kind of go into this year, and, you know, I'm basically telling her, she's she's like, I I don't want to shoot a forties, but, um, you know, her, basically her mentality, and this is why, she, you know, she is, you know, I think, even though she didn't kill anything, she's just a diehard hunter just doing it right. Cause she's like, if I'm going to kill a buck, I don't care if it's a big one or small one. I want it to be like in the back country. She's like, I don't want to sit on water. I want to do it spot and stock. I want to do it the way that I think is the right way. So, you know, I don't know how many other women, you know, I think a lot of women would be willing to just sit in a blind if, you know, they know that 
there's a good chance a fork is going to walk by or something, but she doesn't want to do that. So. Well, and, uh, and, Anyways. and, and obviously nothing wrong with that. It's just the fact that she, you know, had a, yeah. she laid out a game plan of what was the best fit for her and she stuck to it. You know, that's the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I was pretty, pretty in touch with her with that. She, uh, she stuck to it the whole year and she even went out, you know, I was later in the season, I was guiding an elk hunt and she, she went out alone. She went out with her family. So she was, she was sticking to it. She didn't, she never gave in or quit or anything like that. So, that was pretty cool to see, but anyways, uh, you know, I'll start scouting in the summer, like football. Um, it was just kind of a weird year. I think, I think with all the extra water we had this year, the deer were just kind of, you know, spread out and, and just in slightly different areas than we were used to, just because the feed was so well. I don't typically, especially once you start getting into August where the, you know, most of the water sources dry up, they're kind of, forced to stay like in a general area because there's limited water and this year i think it was a little different just because there was so much feed and everything so the areas that i i had uh you know killed bucks in in the past i went out of those early in the year we even we even went on uh our second anniversary we i was like what do you want to do and she's like why don't we go on a overnight uh backcountry scouting trip with the llamas there you go <laughs> oh, yeah. that's why i married you right there <laughs> it's so, not, the, not the only reason ashley it's not the only reason yeah <laughs> not the only reason but it's definitely the, uh, a decision maker for me <laughs> just kidding so anyway scouting during the summer you know where we you know killed in the past and just didn't really find anything um that you know really got us excited you know we'd find good bucks that she was definitely willing to shoot but on that hunt i'm i'm looking for you know uh, just a solid buck that i i think just a mature solid buck but you know but 90 not 95 percent of hunters in that on that hunt would be happy to take home. I'm not, I'm not looking for like a 200 or anything like that. Just a nice solid buck. So yeah. we, um, we ended up scouting some low country, um, in an area that I'd never been. In. And it was funny. The, uh, the first time we went scouting there, we actually had our daughter Oakley. She's like a year old, not even a year old. And we're kind of glassing this little area. And I'm like, Hey, let's just drive over here and check out. And so, and my wife's like, we should just hike up on this little hill right here by the road. I'm like, whatever. So I take my daughter, Oakley, and we just start hiking up there. We get to, like, the top of the ridge, and it's literally, like, facing the road, like, 500 yards away. And we kick up this, like, huge four-point four buck. And we're like, holy crap. <laughs> He's just bedded down, like, 500 yards off the road, facing the road. Like, you probably could have seen him if you would have glassed up there. Is that and is that the spot that did, I is that the spot that I went to that like one morning I went and glassed by myself in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah same yeah. spot. Yeah. So, anyways, we go back in there, scout, and we actually found a couple other good bucks. So this wasn't a backcountry unit, obviously. We were, you know found that buck 500 yards off the road. So, you know, I'm all about backcountry hunting, but in the end, I just want to kill a big buck. So. 
I'm like, well, opening morning, let's go down to this low country and uh, see what we can find. So the night before opening day, I go, um, Ashley was there, but she was glassing a different area. So we're like a couple hundred yards apart. I'm glassing into the area where we had last seen this uh, big buck. I think he is about a 184 point. And sure enough, the night before opening day, I spot that buck like right at last light, like down in the bottom of the canyon, just bedded down. And he gets up at last light and just kind of starts feeding. And I'm like, that buck, he's going to be right there in the morning. He's dead. Like he was in just the perfect spot in a really open area that I knew we could find. So we go back opening morning the next day. And at first light, <laughs> it was pretty funny. Ashley was glassing and she's, uh, it's like barely light enough to see. And she's like, you know, she's got her binos on a tripod or whatever. And she's like, I think I got him. <laughs> and so she tells me where he's at. And I look and I'm like, babe, that's a moo cow. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm like giving her crap for that. And then literally, not even joking, like 10 seconds later, some deer come running along the ridge top, like to the left of where this new cow was. And I'm like, holy crap, that is him right there. That's, that's a buck. And that's him. That's, <laughs> what so, you, that's what you get. We're watching, yeah. We're watching these bucks and they got, we look back over by the road and uh, another hunter had come up that morning and had spooked them. Like, well, if there's anything that I hate about the Utah general hunt, that's it. Because you just you just can't get away from people half the time. So we watch these bucks, and they go and running up this hill and open, or falling them the whole way. They run like over a mile, and then running over the top of the, the highest peak and at the backside. I have no idea if he got killed. We went back in there that night, didn't see him, went back in there the next morning, never saw him. And so, I mean, they've, it was crazy. How... They've seen that They've seen that drill before, you know, all it takes, big old buck like that, probably takes one yeah. solid uh, one solid pressure coming opening morning, and he's got his, yeah. his escape. He's probably route. like, oh, yeah, look. He's like, oh, if you look at the calendar, it's opening day. We need to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, those. That is not the first time I've seen that. Those bucks, they just—it's crazy. I mean, they just—they know, man. Yeah. They know that it's getting close to that time. That you know, something—it's just something's off, and it's time to get out of there. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he ever left the area. You know, I, he might have just gone over the bridge, and just—you know—the thick trees over there, and just never saw him again. Yeah. So. Yeah. so we hunted that buck for like two days and just all the deer just vanished. It was so hot opening weekend. It was, it was brutal. So our plan was to hunt there, uh, opening day. And then like the next morning, and if we hadn't seen anything, then we were going to load up the lawn and pack in to where we, uh, you know, hunted in the past. So that's what we do. We load up the lawn and, um, we go in and, I'm trying to think if we even loaded the llamas up or if um, Dad brought the horses in. I can't even remember. But anyways, we we back in there to where we're hunting, and I'd found, you know, I found a couple of bucks. Um, 
that I, you know, definitely want to kill. Um, you know, they were over 170, and one I think was pushing 180 or so. And there were just plenty of lunch from my watch of stock, so we're like, well, we're going to hang out here. So for the next, uh, I don't even know, two or three days before she had to go home, and I think I had to go into work, um, we, uh, I'd gotten a stock on a, a buck and blew it, and uh, she had gotten a couple stocks. <laughs> And one of them, she got, it was so, he found us three by four in the morning and he was alone. And he was, he was a pretty big buck. I think he was probably, you know, probably pushing 27 inches wide. And for her, just, you know, you know, anyone would be happy to shoot that buck as their first year. So we, she's moving in on the stocks and we, we didn't do a very good job beforehand of our hand signals and, and like I said, you know, she's in this and doesn't, didn't understand them. So she's moving in, and this buck is in just like a, a prime spot for her to stalk in and kill it. And, you know, her range is about 40 yards or so. She gets in there, and she's, she's got to be like 20 to 30 yards from this buck. And it's just on the other side of a big boulder that she's in front of. And she's looking up at me trying to figure out what he's doing and I'm I'm giving her a signal that he stood up and he's feeding but he's like still in the same spot and she got the signals all mixed up and she's looking he's down the draw from where he, she's at but he was she was looking up the draw towards me and so I'm up there getting pissed and finally the buck catches her and sees movement so the buck is staring at her for like 10-15 seconds as she's just kind of like looking up the completely wrong direction and I'm like losing my patience up there. You know how it is, like when you're when you're spotting for someone, and you you like feel like they should be able to see it, and it's just like the most frustrating thing in the world. Yeah. So the box is here, and I can tell he's getting a little uh, nervous, and he's probably gonna blow out. So I literally I just yell at her. She's probably 300 yards below me, and I just scream and yell. I'm like, look to the right. <laughs> And she, she finally hears me and turns and looks. And of course, the buck, you know, was all alerted at that point. And uh, she turns and looks, and the buck <laughs> just turns and starts walking away. And that's when she finally sees him. And she, I can see her like crouch down, and she turns and starts going. And the buck actually stopped again, but it was like seventy yards. And then uh, yeah. he, he never spooked. He just kind of kept walking off. And when she got back to the where I was sitting. She was like, man, how frustrating was that for you? <laughs> I'm like, I was about ready to just shoot myself. Yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah, pretty like, good. It uh, happens to everyone. It's, yeah. it's not like, just because of her, like, you know, you and I have done it a million times. And just, <laughs> yeah, it's, just, yeah, it's once, so hard once you're in the moment. Well, and from my experience, once you start yelling, um, look to your right, <laughs> that's your chances of being successful at that point are pretty much in the toilet. <laughs> yeah. If your head well, signals go to voice that, signals. <laughs> yeah. But it's and like, what do, you, I did that what do you do? Just, yeah. I knew, I knew he was going to blow out anyways. And my hope was if I yelled, then she would see him and he would stand there for another, you know, 15 seconds. But yeah. It was worth a try. It didn't work. <laughs> yeah. But, Anyway, so 
on that trip, we we got, um, you know, it was another, she got, I think she got probably three stocks on that hunt, which, you know, for a new hunter, that's, that's really like all you can ask for, just stock after stock after stock. It's just, that's what it's going to take, you know, for the most part to, to be successful. Yeah. So she didn't end up killing anything on that trip and neither did I. So we pack out and I think I go back to work for a couple of days and, um, she couldn't come back out. I think she had to watch, uh, Oakley or, but she couldn't make it. So I'm like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to pack in there alone. And I didn't have any llamas. I think they were rented out, which is, you know, pretty typical. <laughs> um, so I just, I load up my pack with about three days worth of food and just bomb in there. And I talked to a buddy beforehand who had horses and he's like, yeah, if you, if you end up killing something, just text me, call me and I'll, I'll come in like the next day. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go in and I, uh, I didn't have a phone charger or any way to charge my phone. And typically if I put it on airplane mode, uh, you know, it'll last two or three days or so. So I get in there. I think I got in there at dark, go to bed and somehow, some way my phone wake up in the morning. My phone's dead. I don't even know how I woke up. I woke up as the sun was rising because my phone was dead. And that's my alarm. I didn't have my watch with me. And so it's one of those, like I wake up and I just, freak out and immediately jump out of bed and like start running to the glass point. Cause I'm like <laughs> pissed that I didn't wake up in time. And sure enough, I get up there uh, pretty close to the glassing point and start, um, hiking to where I'm going to go sit. And I see a buck standing there, um, just on the next ridge over probably 200 yards from me. So I'm sitting there and then I'm watching, and then two more bucks come over the top uh, of the ridge on the skyline right behind him. And one of them is a big, um, typical four point with some big eye guards. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, if I can get a shot of that buck, I'm definitely going to try and take it. So these bucks kind of started feeding towards me. My plan was, I was just, I kind of dropped down below them to get the wind right. And they were going to feed towards me. Of course, the lead buck, instead of feeding, up and over to where I was at, he starts dropping down the canyon. So I'm like following them along the backside of the other can, the other ridge, and I would stop and peek over and find them, and they'd still be feeding down. So I try and go back and run down the backside of the ridge, get below them, and I did that probably four times, and ended up getting. I actually got to about. I had one of those smaller bucks stopped at like 70 yards. And, uh, I thought the other buck, the, the biggest buck was going to come out and he never did. And then they just like vanished. I never saw him. I never saw him blow out. I never heard him, but I had hiked around where they, where I last saw him and they were nowhere to be found. I'm like, well, I must've blown him out, but I had, I, I just had no idea where they went. So by this time, I was sweet morning. I finally get back up to the original glassing point I was going to and sit down a glass and within a few minutes I glassed up the bigger four point buck and the other the lead buck that was in that group. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. They had just ran up and over the ridge around into the next little basin and stopped. <laughs> so I sit up there on that glassing point all day just kind of waiting. I'm like, 
where they were at just wasn't a good spot. I couldn't see them whenever they go on the trees, and I'm like, oh, I just don't, I don't feel good about stalking them if I can't see them. So I'm up there, and it is just so hot. Like, I can't remember another, like, opening weekend that was as hot as this year. It was, I was just cooking up there. So I was just trying to stay in the shade all day, get up in class every couple hours, and they'd always just kind of be out feeding or they'd be in the trees. And then I saw them probably two or three times throughout the day uh, just kind of pop out. So the sun's like starting to set and it's getting later in the evening. And those bucks finally popped out again. And where they were at was a pretty good spot. And I thought that if I could just, like, I literally, as soon as I decided that I was going after this buck, especially when you don't have someone to spot for you and give you signals or, or whatever, like, when I'm going to go on a stock and I, I know where a buck's at, like, it's time to I'm go. going to run there as fast. I'm going to run there as fast as I possibly can because every second that I can't see that deer is the better chance that he's in he's going to move or disappear or I'm going to, yep. you know, bump him or whatever. Chances go down. Yep. Yeah. So I cruise over there as fast as I can. And, you know, I'm just sweating. By this time, the sun, I think, uh, had, had set, but, you know, it's still in about 30 minutes or so. And I got to the point where I was planning on taking my shoes off. And, uh, I think on a, a previous podcast, we talked about the uh, new, the five finger, five <laughs> toe shoes I, I wanted to get. Yeah. Because after that Arizona over the counter hunt last year, I was like, I can't stalk and stalk anymore. Like, this is, we're stepping in practice every step, and it was brutal. So I ended up buying those little shoes, and what I did was I put them on, and then I put a thick pair of socks over the top. And I think I freaking nailed it with that setup. <laughs> it is, dude, it, you can, you can walk or run or do whatever you want, you know, with shoes on. And then with the socks over the top, you're just as quiet as you can be. Have you, um, have you tried it in like real desert, like crunchy, like, you know, the rocks in like, like way Southern Nevada or like, I mean, well, I I haven't. Um, well, me and uh, my buddy Wyatt were just down in Arizona on that over-the-counter hunt again, and it's just drying crinkly. And he actually he got a stalk or two. Um, he actually got a shot at one buck, and he stalked within probably thirty yards of these bucks, just in the, like dry, rocky, crunchy desert. With and the same, yeah, those same things, deal, same setup. Yeah, yeah, because. I told him how often it was, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm doing it because it was." I'm serious. Last year, like every step, you would be reaching down to pull back out of your feet. It was just, it was brutal. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't know anything that's going to be as, um, you know, protective of your feet, but still as quiet because the bottom of those those little shoes are they're really actually it's just like a thin thin like vibram sole so it's got a lot of dexterity and it's really grippy but then you put the sock over the top and it just completely muffles everything so i yeah i 
I don't think I'm going to be changing that stuff anytime. How, um, how heavy are they? Like, is it realistic for like a backpack? Like, let's say you're packing in yourself yeah, like 10 days. There's yeah, they're super lightweight. I would, I mean, they're definitely under a pound for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, it, it really isn't going to be much than like, you know, an extra thick pair of socks or two. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's not even, to me, it's just not even, I don't even care about the weight. Like, it's just something that like, it's just going to happen. Cause yeah. There's, they're, they're a game changer for sure. Well, um, you know, there's, there's other ways. First of all, there's other ways to cut weight, you know, if, and second of all, um, yeah. if it's something that you need, then it's something that you need, you know, like so many times it's like, Oh, I'm not like, how much does that weigh? And it's like, well, does it matter? Like if it's something that, you know, is crucial to me being successful. And I, I'm not saying that we've never killed deer without those, but it's also, if it's better, you know, and you decide that that's what's going to help you be successful, then it's like, it almost doesn't matter what, what it weighs, I guess. You're right. Yeah. Um, I even, I even went, um, they're kind of, a, you know, they're a little expensive for all they are. They're like, you know, just a little, little piece of rubber on the bottom of, you know, shoe on the top. But, um, I just looked online these aren't the same ones that I have, but it says that um, they're literally like 4.9 ounces. Like, oh yeah, that's probably each shoe. Like they're they're crazy lightweight. Like definitely nothing that you even notice. Hmm. So I I went on. I was saying I went on to eBay and got them like used, like in almost new condition, hmm. um, just because you know. I, I didn't care. I'm going to go walk around and get them dirty anyway. So they were only like 40 bucks or something like that. So yeah. Anyways, if anyone's looking for something better than socks, I would highly recommend trying something like that out. Um, so the funny part about that is on that, on that hunt, I stopped at the spot that I had planned on stopping to take my shoes off. And I figured it was probably, you know, pushing maybe a hundred yards from where I was going to try and shoot that deer, assuming he was still in the same spot. So I sit down on like a big rock and I like, I put my pack on the top of this big rock, my boots, and I take these off. The only thing that I hate about these little shoes is it's so hard to get your toes in each little (laughs) hole. (laughs) Just like, it'll seriously take you like two minutes to get all your toes in the right hole. It's just, that's so kind of annoying, but I get these big shoes on, put my socks over the top, and start sneaking in. And I legit go like 20 yards and like can already see the buck's antlers. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I was that close this whole time. And so I peek over this little, just a little tiny bit of a rise. I don't think I'm even on the skyline. And this buck is just looking right at me. Like, he probably heard me sitting there for five minutes, taking my shoes, shoes off, and getting a drink. <laughs> so he's just sitting there staring at me. And I'm like, oh my gosh. At this point, I think he's probably 70 yards or so. And sitting there looking at me, I I duck down behind the rise, and I'm completely out of sight of him. And I'm like, there's another little spot, like 
15 yards or so in front of me. I'm like, I think I can easily just close the distance to there on crawl one for couch down and then pop back up again. So I'm sitting there staring at him from like 70 yards and he goes back to feeding for a while. So that's when I boogie on up to like cut 15 yards or so and peek up over again. And again, that buck is staring and looking right at me. I'm like, how does this thing see me? Like I'm looking through like a dead tree and he can, I was like, I was mind blown that he could even see me through that little tree. You think he was and hearing, later after was I he saw, hearing you? No, he definitely wasn't hearing me. I was, I was just like a ninja walking. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was really open and flat and it was just like big rocks and boulders. So I was just as silent as can be. Like I couldn't even hear myself walking. <laughs> So later, after I went, I shot, I went and uh, looked back from his perspective, and I was, like, right on, like, this little skyline, just the slightest little skyline. So anytime I peek my head up, he would just catch movement. Like, yeah. So the buck is sitting there staring at me, and I'm, like, sitting there trying to stay still. I'm, like, he knows I'm here. He can see me, but he has no idea what I am because I'm, like, kind of – there's this tipped over dead tree in, in front of me and some branches. So he can't, he can't see me. He just saw some movement. So I pull up my range finder while he's looking at me and just click it and range. And I kind of have to like move over um, behind uh, to get away from the tree to get a range. And it says like 62 yards. And is like, this the right, one that perfect. keeps looking so, at you? Is he the buck you're trying to kill or the one that's with him? <clears throat> this is the one I'm trying to kill. So before the stock, this the big bucks that I was trying to kill. He was standing in the exact same spot that I had last seen him when I left the glassing point. But there were two other bucks with him when I left the glassing point, and they were standing right where he is at right at this moment. But I don't know how or why. Like it was just totally meant to be. The two other bucks in the group had fed up and over the next little ridge, and they were like a hundred yards past him. And this, so this big four point that I was trying to kill was standing in the exact same spot. Like he hadn't moved like 10 yards. And so that was just crazy in itself that he hadn't followed the other bucks. He just kind of stayed behind. So I'm peeking up over. He's staring at me. I'm finally get a range through the trees, 62 yards. And he's sitting there staring at me, but again, has no idea what I am. He can just kind of see some movement. So I draw back, crouch down, and then. Um, stand up and make sure that I'm clear of that tree in front of me and just shoot him. And the shot actually hit him pretty high, um, actually hit him like kind of the base of the back strap. But I got quite a bit of penetration. I thought it was going to do the tricks. Um, and this is when the little shoes were awesome. I just basically, uh, I sat there for a second, but I basically kind of took off um, walking over to where he was at. And I was walking through, you know, just sharp rocks and branches and sticks and whatever else. And, you know, I couldn't, my just, feet were. Just like, you're in, your, just like awesome. you're in your boots. Yeah. And I, you know, I'd rolled my pants up. Um, so I, I just, walking through the brush after I shot him, I was super quiet. And it's just, it's just a solid setup, I think. But, so I get over there and. You know, normally I give them a lot of extra time, 
but I was just like, I'm just going to peek over. He, he shot, and I could see there was tons of blood spraying out from where I hit him. And so I'm like, I'm just going to walk over there to kind of where I last saw him and just kind of peek over and see what I can see. So I get up there and uh, walk along, find the blood trail, and there's just, you know, blood everywhere. Go probably another 30 yards, and then I kind of glass down or, uh, to the edge of this little meadow, and I can see him just piled up there. I can see the arrow still sticking out of his, uh, like the back of the chest cavity. And he still went. I don't know, not even 100 yards probably from where I hit him, just piled up. So, it's a pretty sweet book. He, uh, I feel like you have, like, you know, that's, I, like, the third story that I can think of where it's just, like, like crazy good luck. And I say that, like, almost as if, like, you don't earn it, but that's exactly the point is, like, you're up. you're also up there more than anyone that I know. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, yeah, you have these stories because you're out there, but because you're out there, you have these stories, you know, and it's like, like your Forkasaurus buck, it was just like, oh, like first morning walked down to this little meadow and is like, oh, there he is, you know, and you just like hiked over a couple ridges and shot him or whatever. And then, um, your buck last year, two years ago, whenever it was, um, not last year, two, at least two years ago like the big, that big floating main beam buck, just the craziness of like, you shot at him, you shot at him, missed high at or something, 10 yards, 10 yards arrow skipped off his yards. back. Yeah. And he like ran no, up. It skipped off, it skipped off the, the boulder in front of him and oh. went over his back, but over I don't his, know how far. Yeah. But. Yeah. But like, and then, and then you were just like, but you're smart, you know, there's some things there, like you're smart enough to like not come undone and like, you know, you might as well just see what happened and like, see, and then, you know, he just like went and J hooked and bedded down and uh, like they do sometimes or whatever, but it was just like, wow, that sounds crazy. And this one's like, man, that's crazy. Like, you know, but really it's like, you know, like I said, I mean, you have these stories from being out there, but from being out there, you have these stories, you know, and it's like, I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's just testament well, to, you know, you got to, like, you got to go. Like, you got to be out there, you know. And honestly, like, man, I don't know what it is, but maybe it's not for everyone, but I, I think everyone needs to at least try. Man, solo hunting, I don't know what it is, especially, you know, rifle hunting is kind of different. You know, you can shoot them at 400 yards or whatever, but and bow hunting, so many people don't go solo bow hunting because they, they feel like they have to have someone sitting there spotting for them. Yeah. And so for just an example of how it kind of hurt us is that story about my wife stalking in and she's you now 30 yards from that buck. She, she knew the last place that buck was and that's exactly where he was at. But she was looking up at you. She was trying to, yeah, she was relying on me and she got all confused and messed up from what I was yeah. you know trying to tell her. But she completely forgot about well, where the buck was actually at. Had she just gone alone and said, I'm going to this point because that's the last place I saw him. Yeah. And once I get close, I'm going to slow down and pick, you know, find him. She probably would have killed that buck. And yeah, so, yeah. You, you that's have... how it's been for me. 
Yeah, you have no reason to really sec. You have nothing to second guess. You know, like it's just because it's just yourself. And I'm, I was thinking as you were actually telling that story. It's funny you brought that up because, you know, the valuable thing there is that you were by yourself. And I, I feel like, you know, sometimes when we sit down to take our shoes off and we think that we're, say, you know, 150 yards from deer. And you happen, yeah. you happen to only be, what did you think it was like 70 or something? Um, from where that buck was at, I was definitely under a hundred. I was under 90 yards. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but when we do that, sometimes we'll whisper and like just chatter because we think like, like, okay, like, yeah, I'm going to put my pack here. Okay. Like, and we'll almost like like just map out the rest of the stock sometimes while we're sitting there taking our shoes off. If someone else is there, if, if it's like you and me and we're like, you know, maybe we're filming or whatever the case is. And it's like, well, you had no one to talk to. And so you had no one to talk to, you know? And so you didn't make a sound other than just what you were doing. And, you know, you can get away with, you know, like everyone thinks that, but man, that, that saying of like a buck will, a buck will see you three times, he'll hear you twice, and he'll only smell you once and be gone, right? But like like just because they hear you or hear something, I mean, like almost even the bigger bucks get, it seems like they don't necessarily care that someone's there, especially if they don't think that they see them. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just it's not the end of the world that you're up there like you know, making a noise, like you're into something or you're took a step and he might even have thought, Oh, maybe that is a person. But then, you know, anyway, like it's just, it really is so true. Like that hunting alone. I mean, I, I did it for the first time. Um, I assume, was that your, anything you want to add to your story? I was going to jump into my Colorado story too, of hunting alone, but. No, I mean, just, I just, I just think, I think when you, when you hunt solo, you just, you don't rely on anyone else and you kind of, you know, dumb the time, you kind of like, like let your natural instinct kind of kick in. Like, you know, I, I got over there. I didn't have anyone tell me like, you know, that buck was there or whatever. I just, I got there and like, this is where I last saw him. Yeah. I'm going to sneak over to where I, I think he is and just, you know, go nice and slow and play it by ear and yeah. figure it out. You know, I mean, it's, you only got it with compound bows these days, I mean, you only got to get 70 yards or whatever. Like it's really not that hard to get 70 yards from a deer. Yeah. So if you just slow down, take your time, use your instincts and just, instead of just trying to rely on someone else to tell, I mean, I've every, every deer that you kind of named off, every deer that I've killed on this hunt in Utah, um, four, four of them, one was with the muzzleloader, but, um, four now they've all been solo every single one. Yeah, and I I love it. I I pretty, I prefer to hunt solo, honestly. Maybe not on like a a rifle hunt or something because it's just fun to be with other people. But archery hunting, just I love to just just me versus the deer. Just, yeah, I don't know some something different about it. Yeah, that uh, so same same season that Colorado tag that I had. Um, you know it was. It was surprisingly, you know, I got thinking about it and it was actually the longest hunt that I had had alone by myself, you know, and, and, and even in the back country, 
well, definitely in the backcountry by myself. I'd, I probably had other hunts that were, you know, alone, but not that long and not that, you know, that isolated back in the backcountry. And, um, yeah, yeah. And that was, that was a whole nother, um, story there, you know, that I was going to, going to jump into, but, um, yeah, got, so that Colorado hunt, um, I don't think I've actually told this story yet. Um, went over, had a work trip, <laughs> we'll call it, um, down in New Mexico for a work trip that was actually an antelope hunt. And I, I did actually do a podcast right before I went on this hunt, uh, by myself on the drive over. But so this is kind of the recap for that, I guess. But, um, yeah, that, that was my first, like, like week long, like I'm going to go, you know, backpack in by myself and hunt deer and, you know, and I, I don't, I don't love it. If I'm being honest, like I don't get back there and just <clears throat> not think about it. You know, um, <clears throat> I had some cell phone service, which wasn't, uh, you know, it was what it was, you know, it was nice to be able to call my wife every night and, you know, send you a few messages or whatever. But, um, you know, I don't, I I'll be honest. I don't love it. Like I don't get back there and just am completely at peace with, you know, being by myself for a week in the back country, like, you know, seven or eight miles deep, yeah. but, well, but I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like an introvert. You're kind of more like a yeah. social person. So yeah. honestly, I think I, but but I do love the hunting side of it. Like you're saying, cause I I've been through it enough times that, yeah, the amount of good that comes from hunting with someone is just, it doesn't outweigh, the good that comes when you're by yourself. And so what I prefer or what I like ideal for me is, you know, two or three or whatever, uh, a few other guys and we're all using the same base camp, but we're all hunting in different spots, you know, for the day or whatever, like that to me yeah, is and come back to camp and talk. and Yeah. You know. Yeah. And kind of have, you know, you <laughs> share dinner together or whatever. Um, you know, and yeah. so that, that to me is like kind of the perfect combination, um, you know, and we've gone both directions where we've hunted together in the back country and we've hunted too much together. You know, we, I talked about that on recent podcasts, like all four of us, you know, sitting on the same glassing knob and it's not that that's like yeah. bad necessarily, but it's just not going to, you know, you're statistically like, it's just not going to end well for three of the four dudes. Yeah. Like, but with yeah, four guys with tags all glass right. in the same exact year. Like, what are you gonna do? Right, right. No, no way you're all gonna be successful. Yeah, yeah. So, but it, but it was, it was nice to get back there and hunt by myself. Um, went into an area that, uh, you know, relatively easy to draw and definitely overlooked. Um, you know. <sighs> we didn't hunt Colorado like 10 or 15 years ago in it's what, you know, it was like in its recent heyday, I'll say like, I felt, I feel like, you know, 10 years ago when we started thinking about Colorado, it was probably more so like this where, um, you couldn't like just pick a unit, you know, like just pick a unit and go and there's going to be deer everywhere. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if those days are just kind of gone, 
you know, Colorado's doing some weird management uh, tactics. You know, I think they're over, yeah. you know, they're overextending permits in a lot of these mule deer areas. It might be CWD permit. What's that? Yeah, the the season. Oh, happy new year, by the way. <clears throat> I just looked at the clock. It's like 12.09 where I'm at. So. Not here. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's only 11. It's only 11 10 here, like another 50 minutes. How is it? How is it living in the past, loser? <laughs> um, I'm just trying to soak up all the stuff in 2019. I'm moving on, bigger and better things. I'm in a whole new decade, but uh, you know, I so I I don't know. We've hunted Colorado a couple times in the last whatever years, three years it's been or whatever, and it's just been the opposite of what we used to see or hear about, you know, on, in articles or some of the hunting DVDs that we've watched and, you know, and, and I'm not saying that it's all doom and gloom, um, because, you know, we just, we've gone into two areas now in Colorado that were, they're just random areas, you know, we're basing it off of, you know, whatever, go hunt and statistics and Epic Outdoors or whoever, you know, whatever it was that was like, yeah, let's apply here or whatever. And it's not like, you know, we've tried every unit or anything like that. And it's not like we're residents where we're, you know, glassing, you know, multiple units every year and deciding that this is the best one. We just kind of are randomly throwing a dart at a, at a map and, you know, going where we go, so to speak. Let's try this one this year. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, all that being said, I mean, got into an area, a unit, uh, at least an area within the unit that just did not have deer. And I've hunted long enough in enough places oh, throughout the West to know when there's deer there that I'm not seeing or that there had been deer and they've been blown out or whatever. And then the difference of like, there's just not deer here. And there just wasn't deer there. Well, especially... Especially on like an early, you know, opening right. day of the archery season. Right. Like there's, you know, set, set, yeah, seven or eight. All over those hikes. Yep. Seven or eight miles in. Like, I, I, like, yeah, like that's exactly right. I, I've, I've got enough pieces together um, to know that like seven or eight miles in, I am the furthest person in at that point. Like, I just know that I was. Um, there wasn't, if there was someone beyond me, like, there was no, boot prints in the ground there was no sign of them nothing um aside from one uh character that we'll talk about here in a minute but um yeah i mean just got in there and they're just uh so you know packed in partially in the evening partially in the dark the uh the day the night before the opener um you know got in to kind of didn't actually get to where i wanted to go which worked out because i ended up <clears throat> waking up the next morning oh, opening morning and glassing um I, I did find deer i mean i did find bucks and i did find a a good uh a really good shooter buck you know so again it wasn't all doom and gloom but it just wasn't like it should have been or, or you know or like it could have been in a unit like that but if i had gone yeah. in if i had gone into where i was trying to get on a map you know, I would have basically walked right underneath him on a peak, even though it wasn't necessarily on a main trail or anything. I was planning on going right underneath him and who knows, you know, I would have been, I would have been there in the dark. And so I don't think it would have affected him too much. They just, I've just seen, 
you know, deer, they just act differently in the dark and they don't care as much, but I also, you know, probably would have camped a little too close. So anyway, it worked out, set my camp up that night, wake up the next morning, glass really, you know, only saw the, the bucks that I saw and they were way up on this big gnarly peak, um, steep, like no trees anywhere on it, just a few rock outcroppings and just like, you know, it's like when you shave like a pencil lead, like the end of a pencil with a knife. And then you just make like these sharp, like, you know, one big cut here and one big slice on this side and this side. And there's like four or five slices and they're all jagged. Um, that's how this peak was yeah. like, just came to a point And there was just like, like open face, open face, open face, open face around the whole thing. Um, but they were right up on the, you know, right up on the side of it. And, and so I'm, you know, I glassed for a while until I felt like they were going to stop and kind of bed down up against these boulder rock outcroppings on the side of the peak. And about that time I started picking up my camp, left my spotter on the bucks, um, where they were kind of milling around. They hadn't bedded down yet. Um, but I could tell they were about to and started putting my camp away so that I could, it was far enough that you know, it was another probably mile and a half at least that I wanted to take camp with me. Um, and so I'm like 80% through putting camp up and getting packed up, ready, about ready to leave. And here comes walking down the trail, another bow hunter <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's whatever. At, at first I wasn't ever going to really disclose, you know, who it was. And he talked about it on, on his podcast or whatever. So if you can put those two dots together, then good for you. And if not, then you won't know who I'm talking about, but, um, he comes while, you know, as someone that I recognized at least he comes walking down the trail. And I was just like thinking that is the last person. <laughs> like, like if you would have handed me a pen and paper and said, put down the 10 guys you didn't want to see walking down the trail right now. And he would have been, you know, probably in the top five or whatever. And, <laughs> It's just like you gotta be kidding me. There's, yeah. there's one buck. There's one buck, and that's just my luck, right? Like you're over there just getting break after break in Utah, and I'm over there like you know <laughs> these epic bow hunter. There's one deer on the side of the peak, and I think I have him myself. And this one epic bow hunter walks up the trail behind me after him. So I had a decision to make, and you know uh, my theory with back you know like you talked about pressure in utah and like you know it does it drives me crazy and i don't have you know you know whatever like everyone has a right to be there kind of a thing um it's just different though when you're in the back country for me like that's the point where i tip my cap to guys and like i'm your friend and and i i may not like don't get me wrong i'm not gonna you know if i cross paths with you eight miles deep i'm not gonna be like you know, Hey, there's this buck here and that buck there and this buck here. I'm not going to necessarily tell you everything I know, yeah. but you know, I'm also not going to, I'm not there to screw you over. Um, you know, unless, you know, unless it's, you're just being that guy or something like, you know, I just don't have any reason to do that. And so he was already packed up, yeah. had everything ready to roll and, um, you know, was, was clearly by the, by the pep in his step, I could tell like, he's headed towards that deer. And so, but you know, it was funny. Like we're both got our poker faces on for, you know, for a good, like, you know, minute or two. 
and oh hey yeah uh so what uh you know kind of one of those things like what have you seen uh nothing what have you seen you know and we kind of go back and forth and he's like so are you uh you know and he i think he finally brought it up and was like did you see the buck up there you know like i'm heading after this buck and i was like yeah i did like my spotter's literally on him right there um if you want to check on him and uh you know and it was just clear like that the right thing to do for me was i still had another couple of minutes of putting my stuff away and he didn't and so you know it's like what else are you gonna go off of like it's not like we could rewind and be like, well, when exactly did you spot him? Well, when, did, you know, cause it doesn't matter at that point. And so I was just like, you know what, man, like the right thing to do here is like, you're ready, like go for it. Like they're in a good spot and you know, you know, like I can appreciate that you're back here even. And so, um, you know, I, I was very clear, like no animosity, like go after that buck, even though I was like closer, but he was ready to go. So he takes off. And so I kind of packed, finished packing up. And then I hiked up on the Ridge to get a little bit better view, watched him go down on his stock. And, uh, you know, it actually worked out well. He, for for me, I guess, um, you know, he, not that I didn't want him to kill it. Cause I, I mean, I was like filming it and everything, but he got to, I think he said like 65, 70 yards later and, uh, you know, was just kind of sitting there. Um, you know, which was interesting. It wasn't the route that I, was planning on taking before I headed over there. Um, but so it was interesting to see like a different perspective and I don't know, I actually haven't talked to him about, you know, you just wonder like, cause he, he came in from like a side hill angle. Right. And he came in facing him, you know? So like, you know, just wasn't, wouldn't be the route that I would have mapped out in my head necessarily. I would have came in from either above or behind him, but yeah, that wasn't the thing that got him. It ended up being, I think, a wind swirl, you know, and so it worked out, you know, the way that he went, he had him at, I mean, I filmed him, you know, he was there for probably 15, 20, 30 minutes or whatever it was, uh, you know, just side hilled from him peeking over the ridge, uh, waiting for the big buck to stand up. Um, and so it worked, yeah. you know, it, it, it just worked. And so anyway, he, he, it, 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 they blew out and I, you know, I kind of watched it all come undone through the spotter. And so I kept an eye on the big buck. Um, and he was a nice man. He was a nice, very unique buck. Um, I posted, I think a few pictures of him, like super tall, like super tall back end, heavy, wasn't real wide, but just like a really, really nice buck. Um, yeah. And so I watched him kind of that buck blow down the, the ridge there, the peak, and then kind of cross over and actually came way around the backside of the whole entire mountain that he was on. And, you know, he clearly had no idea. He would have had no idea where that buck exactly went or was or, you know, whatever. And so, but where I was at, I could see the whole, I could see the whole thing, you know, so I, I kind of watch him. Should have been like, you should have been like, yeah, he, he blew out. Like completely yeah. that direction. Like, yeah, he's better. Be yeah, get him. Yeah. No, at that point, I mean, we were we were off. You know, we were we were on that level at that point, and so I watched him, and and it was interesting. And I haven't put this together until just the other day. I was thinking about this story. That buck, he blew down across and around the backside of the ridge. You know, again, he was on the backside of the main mountain that he had been on. 
and he went, you know, what would have been maybe 500 yards from where he was and rounded a corner and he almost disappeared where I couldn't see him. But then he did something really interesting. He, a couple other bucks that were with him actually did. They went over the top and they disappeared and I never saw them again. This buck got to that point and he stopped and he turned around and he walked right back towards where he came until he hit like, you know, one of the, just a nice little patch of trees and he bedded down looking back at his back trail. And I've started hearing this a couple of times. I've heard, um, or I read it rather in like a David Long uh, book. He was talking about a story of a buck in the snow that he had killed. And then I put it together on this one. And like, I think that that buck that you killed, that drop tine buck was technically looking backwards at where he'd come from. Right. Um, he was actually bedded down, um, the same direction he came from. Gotcha. Or he was facing, like, he thought it was facing the direction he came from. So he's looking away. Gotcha. Well, the, that was, yeah, that was yeah. kind of a weird situation there. Yeah, he didn't know what was going on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this buck, he, you know, and again, at the time I was just watching a buck, you know, and I didn't even think about it or put it together. But since then, playing it back in my mind, I pulled up the picture once. and I was like, man, that sucker, he did. He went, he went 100 yards past where he ended up stopping, turned around, worked his way back. Um, and I don't, what I don't remember is which way the wind was blowing, but he worked his way back. So anyway, I was able to watch him bed down in what I thought was a pretty good spot to stalk him, you know, from, from across the basin and up a little bit, it was like, Oh, there he is, you know, clearly just come here, here and here, and then you'll have your shot. And, you know, I even took the picture on the phone, you know, zoomed in, made marks like, okay, this is your first point. This is your second point bucks right here. Like absolutely no way that you could screw this up, you know, and you talk about having a, another person with you and it was like, man, I would have given anything at that point. No, it, yeah. it, it really, you know, it was what it was. I don't know that I would have been able to see a person from across the ridge, but, um, crossed, crossed over with the hunter, the other guy that was, had already stalked and, uh, you know, we, he was like, oh man. And he's like, you know, we talked about what happened and I said, yeah, I actually watched him bed down over here. And he's like, oh yeah, go for it. And so it was like, you know, reciprocation a little bit, like all yours, like not that he didn't like take, you know, like he didn't take ownership of that buck because he stocked it first and I didn't to begin with. And it was just perfect. You know, like yeah. the etiquette of it was perfect. Like it was so refreshing. You hear all these BS stories of, you know, people like, my public land buck and like my buck and like, you know, that was my water hole and someone shot arrow over it and killed my buck over the top of my blind or whatever. And like, you know, like as if, as if, you know, as if like that's, that was yours or you had a right to that more than the next person. And it was just so refreshing to like be up on the mountain with someone who was earning their stripes the same way you were and was just like, Oh yeah. Like clearly the etiquette thing now is like, I don't own that deer any more than anyone else does. You watched him bed down. Why don't you go give it a try? And it was just perfect, you know? And so I did, I went around completely botched it. Um, about the time that I figured out that I was one, 
I was one like little sliver of trees over the wrong way. Um, it was too late because of the way the wind was blowing, I blew him out. And so didn't know exactly where he went, knew kind of the general direction that he, and he actually, ironically, he actually blew out back towards the pass that he had come over initially when he got uh, blown out the first time. So, but in my mind, that deer was, that was it. So went up, grabbed my pack, kept going to the point where I was going to get to the previous night, made camp, lo and behold, wake up start glassing kind of like a whole different angle now. Like I'm, I'm beyond where I was when I first saw him and looking backwards towards where I'd hiked in from and there he is. And now he's all by himself <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. you know, kind of like your stories now, like Perfect. no way, like no way did I wake up the next morning and just like, boom, like first deer I laid, the only deer that I laid eyes on, there he is. And so I'm like, well, game on. <laughs> Yeah, he went down, watched him all, you know, all morning till he got down into the thicker trees. And what was interesting too, and I didn't put this together, you know, necessarily until you think about it afterwards, but um, you know, you, you talk about like bucks that get pushed out on opening morning and how they change their patterns or whatever. Like I'm putting it together and like he was in the same general basin, right? He was in the same within a mile or whatever of where he had been with those other bucks, but now he had just moved from yeah. the open on the top of the peak and he was going to hang out down at least for the day and probably the next three or four days, I would guess. If, if no one had, if no one had bothered him, he'd probably been down there for three or four days and then maybe moved back into his regular routine if he hadn't seen anyone, but he had just moved down in elevation five, 700 feet maybe and down into the trees. And that was it. Yeah. You know, and he, instead of feeding all morning, instead of feeding all night and then feeding up to the peak and bedding, he fed and then fed down into the thicker stuff. And, and I really. It's just like that, that, that buck opening day in Utah, man. I, I, you know, I've hunted and, and been a part of hunts enough on, on big deer. Like, you know, a couple stories of guiding in Nevada, just, you know, 200 plus inch deer I've helped guide and those things they do not leave man yeah they it does not matter what goes on like they'll disappear for a couple of days and they're back but there's they're in the same spot there's yep. it changed it up a little bit yeah and if if i had been in the same general area <clears throat> glassing back towards the same peak that i found him initially he would have vanished you know and that's yeah and that's all it is when, when that happens and especially if it's just like you know, one or two people back there and there's not a ton of other commotion or ruckus going on. Like there wasn't, you know, it was just, you know, just the, I mean, it was all the same morning, I guess, but it was just like two guys and then no other activity going on. And those, those deer pick up on general activity. I feel like in the area as much as they do, like, you know, that one stock that blew him out or whatever, I would have, he would have vanished, you know, and he would have been gone and I never would have seen him again or, or, you know, is what would have been going through my mind. But I just happened to be, yeah. I just happened to be like exactly 180 degrees looking back the other way. And there he was all by himself, you know, just grazing the opposite direction down the hill. And so, you know, good for me. So I, that morning I hike around and get kind of up on top of the area where he had gone into. And now I had a little bit more difficult task because he was 
not bedded in the open like we like, you know, and so I didn't. Um, but it was one deer, and it was like the only deer that I had in the area. If there had been another good buck out in the open, I probably would have went after him and said, I'm going to wait for this deer to come out of the thick stuff. But the way that it played out was yeah. like, what the heck else am I going to do, you know? So I didn't go yeah. bombing in there, though, and that's what that's what really made it work out for me is I got up around and up and and relatively close, but out of, you know, I was within a couple hundred yards of where I thought he went into those trees and I was being like, like you were talking, man, like I was by myself, had no reason to make any sort of noise and just got where I could see a good angle down into those trees. And it wasn't, I don't know, five minutes of glassing down in those trees and like just got lucky and picked him up. And so I think I even text you on the mountain. I'm like, dude, I got that buck again. And he's like, I'm like 150 from him. And he's just like bedded here, has no idea. And so I'm going to go kill him. Yeah. And uh, I remember you texting me, you're like 150, and you're like under 100, <laughs> under 70, or something like that. And I'm like, are you, if you're under 70 yards, or shoot the stupid thing. Yeah. Don't text well, me. It, was, it was thick. You know, it wasn't like in the open, and I couldn't see him. So. I did. I, yeah. I glassed him. I saw where he was. He was like, as it went down into this little Canyon, there was actually another tiny little Ridge down at right in the bottom. And he was bedded right on top of the Ridge, but the Ridge had a bunch of scattered pine trees on top of it. And they're relatively thick though. And so yeah. he's bedded like right on the crest of this little bump down in the bottom. And, uh, I don't know, like, you know, Anyway, I got down in there. I came, I basically came down right down the spine as well. And just was like, you know, that was, that was the easiest route for me to get down to where he was. And I heard Remy Warren talking about like this principle of choose the best route, not the easiest route or whatever, or the, or, or yeah. be, be willing to do the hardest route. And it's not that I would have done it differently initially because that was the route that looked the best or the the hardest or whatever you want to call it. But I got down there and I, I thought that I would have him covered or whatever where I could just shoot. You know, I was just going to shoot him in his bed. <clears throat> but the problem was he was bedded just enough uphill that where from where I could see him, I could also see his right eye. You know what I'm saying? So he's kind of bedded facing up the the hill and his body's facing like 45 to me and i totally would have taken that shot if his head was covered but i just felt like you know i was in that like 65 60 65 range and you know i would just peek around the corner of this big pine tree and just like barely catch it you know just like oh there he is and it was just like yeah. Man, you just knew that like it was going to be a 50-50 if I drew and then tried to step out far enough to actually execute a shot that like he was going to pick that up, which is fine, yeah. except I just stood there and I should have backed out the way that I'd come, which would have been, you know, like Remy's to Remy's point, it would have been hard. It would have been harder at that point to back all the way out quietly, like drop down off the ridge on the backside once I was out of sight and then go cover another hundred yards or whatever, like to get parallel with him and then pop up over like 20 yards, you know, I would have been right on top of him, but I just chose to stand there. And, and I do this, I know myself well enough, like 
self-awareness wise, like I, I, I always err on the side of like a little bit too cautious. I feel like I'm not, I'm, I don't make the overly aggressive, you know, to me, it's like the end of the world if this doesn't work out. And so like, Oh, I just like, I get so like this, I have to make this work or whatever. And so I'm, I'm always erring on the side of cautious and I should have, you know, I either, I either should have stepped out and took the shot and just see if it happened or I should have backed out and went. And I chose option three, which was probably the worst, which was just sit there. Right. And that, again, that's me to a T right there is like, I'm within shooting range. I feel like I've got him pegged. The wind was good and I felt like the wind stayed good, but I just chose to, I actually went to the other side of the pine tree because I had a better shooting lane of where it looked like there's like, if I was drawing it on a, on a pie chart, like, or on a pie, like there was like 290 degrees that this buck could have come and I would have seen him. And there was only like whatever's left over that he could have gone like 70 degrees or whatever straight away from me that he could have gone that I could not have seen if he went that way. And it was just like straight downhill. So I was like, there's no way he's just going to get up and walk straight downhill. He's going to come out like sideways and feed. And I, so I'm standing there, peek my head around every like 10 minutes. Yep. There he is. He's just sitting there still bedded. Come back to my little spot on the other side you know, I'm behind this huge bushy pine tree. There's no way he saw me through there. Um, cause there was three or four pine trees between us. And then I wait, you know, and nothing, 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 nothing. But I've like, and so finally, like, you know how it goes, like all of a sudden 15 minutes has gone by, I peek around the tree, gone. <clears throat> gone. Didn't hear him, didn't see him, didn't nothing like just gone. Like, the unexplainable that I'll never know until hopefully in the afterlife. That's like one of my biggest things that I'm looking at, looking forward to in heaven is like being able to replay all this mystery crap that happens on hunts where you're like, where did that deer go? You know, I don't know. Uh, probably well, you, know you know, if you could see it, you know, if you could see it, it would just be like, oh. just kind of like, you know, Oh like, yeah. Over. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like <laughs> I said, crazy. yeah, it's like, it's like I said, when I glassed him that morning, like when you have the right perspective, right. That's the word here is like perspective. Then it's like, Oh yeah. Like, duh, he's just right there. Like that's not even complicated, you know, but when you don't have the right perspective, it's like, what just happened? Like where, you know, like where is this deer? So yeah. anyway, that was it. Um, started like that all happened. He was gone, went back to camp, could not find another deer for the next couple of days. Um, ran into, uh, I can't even remember his name, my buddy, uh, up there. And this, you know, everyone will, when they hear this will be like, well, yeah, that's why there's no deer up there. Uh, like a Peruvian sheep herder pushing like 2,500 domestic sheep in the like in the big canyon just to the north of where i was kind of at and so found that out and was like oh man like this is just not okay like no deer sheep everywhere then i started getting sick um and i won't go into that too much because i don't even know exactly what it was whether it was altitude sickness or like lack of uh electrolytes or whatever the heck it was. I didn't, I only had, I only had water. I didn't have a lot of like electrolyte replacements and I've heard that can mess you up or whatever. But anyway, 
um, started puking, you know, back there, uh, started just like, I don't know, it was just kind of getting weird. And so made the decision. I only had like, I don't know, like I probably had three days, like two and a half days left to hunt, made the decision to hike out, um, about that time and go, the plan was to just drive over and hike in another area that same day. And like on the hike out, puked, got to my truck and was trying to drive off the mountain and started getting like way sick in my stomach and puked again coming off the mountain. Um, and so like something was messing me up and I started getting lightheaded and like, just like, I don't know if it was an altitude sickness or what the heck was going on, but I ended up, I ended up just like getting into the local town there and just grabbing a hotel room because I knew like, like there was no point in me trying to hike in anywhere. Cause I was just, I needed to recover for a minute. So got a hotel room, like slept it off, woke up, got a good breakfast in me the next morning and, and then was ready to go. So, but at that point had like a day and a half or whatever. And, you know, honestly, like time got me a little bit, but honestly, like the physical side of it, the other part, the other spot that I was going to hike into was even worse. Like it was a legit 10 miles in and then, and then like a mile and a half up, like another 2000 feet vert the way that I came in and I literally got to the base of the main mountain, the mountain at 10 miles. And I just was like, this was stupid. Like I should have known, but I like, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to admit that you just don't have any more in you, but I just didn't have it. Like, and, and if I did, it would have taken me all day and into the night. And then it was like, I would have had to pack out, you know, the next morning and whatever. I, I ended up camping down in the bottom, you know, of the Canyon there. And I'm glad that I did, you know, I, I, whatever, I mean, I woke up and I still glassed up on some of the peaks and caught a, a pretty good glimpse for, you know, five, five minutes. I sat and watched, uh, man, you know, it's, it, it was a big buck. That's all I'll say. Um, cause that's all I know for sure. But another big buck, um, picked up on a spot that I felt like is a good spot to go back to. Um, eventually if we go hunt that unit again, that's probably where I would start this time. But, um, yeah, man, just like, you know, it, it didn't work out. I was this close, you know, like, like two times in, in theory, like I was this close to it being a completely different story. Uh, but that's, you know, the more that I do this, um, that's kind of what I look forward to. Not, not that I look forward to it, but I, I appreciate and I understand the value in this type of a hunt as much as the one where I end up killing the buck. You know what I'm saying? Like, like 10 years ago, that was just a failure. Like I just didn't get it done. And, and I was almost like down about it, you know, like came up empty and like, there's no good that comes from that, so to speak. But now it's like, well, of course I would have rather killed the buck, but I also understand the value in, you know, not killing the buck of, of what went on yeah. and what I learned and, you know, the whole thing. So it, it was good. It was like the, it was like my Wyoming elk hunt, you know, like we didn't, heck, we didn't, we did not even see a bull, saw four cows in, in the unit that I could hunt. Man, we learned a ton. And, you know, I was just, you know, wanted to just be pissed and frustrated and 
you know, just like, you know, I, I burned nine points on it. I'm like, this is just, you know, the worst. And I just, now that the season's over and everything, like, it's just like, who cares? Like, you know, it was a good experience. And well, there's always something to learn. And you know, it's, it's how you got to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And it's like, you know, it's like anything I think you can apply to like business strategy or, you know, like I follow some guys that are, you know, like marketing, like social media type theories. And, and there's this principle that like, you know, let, let's say, let's say you're running an Instagram page for a business or something and you only put up content once a week, right? Um, if you only put up content once a week, then you're a lot more paranoid about it being exactly perfectly right. Because it's like, you know, we're only doing this 50 times a year. Like, you know, it's like one out of 50 has got to be perfect, you know, and you almost like put yeah. too much pressure on that one post or that one piece of content or that one video or whatever. Well, on the flip side, like if you're putting up content, like, you know, once a day or three times a day or whatever, um, you know, and this is, this is completely out of left field for most people. But for me, this is like stuff that I'm into, like, you know, the more often that you're doing something, the less of a big deal that it is that you fail at one of them because, you know, there's a ton of others coming right behind it. You know, if you want to use a sports analogy, like, you know, that, that's why the theory in basketball, like if you're a shooter and you're, and you're off, what do you do to get back on your shot? Like you just keep shooting, you know? And so shooters shoot. Yeah. Shooters shoot. Right. And so if you're in a slump or whatever, well, to apply that to our hunting situation that you're talking about, like, the reason I think it's becoming not as big of a deal to, to like fail or walk away from a hunt empty handed is because we have other hunts. You know, it's like, if that was your, if that was your once in a lifetime Utah hunt that took you 20 points and Utah was the only, elk, yeah. you know, like those guys that only apply for elk in Utah cause they're from there and they, they've been building points for 20 years. Like our uncle, you know, just drew that, that elk tag a couple of years ago. Like, then it's like, it's like life or death. It's like, of course you got to tag out or, you know, it was all for nothing and that's your only chance. But it's like, yeah. dude, we're going to hunt elk again next year and the year after that and the year after that, and there's going to be some really good tags. And so we can just, you know, that's the advantage of being in the game in so many States is like, you know, we can just move on. Like, Hey, we took an L like, this is what we did wrong. And this, and this, this is what we did. Right okay, like we're going to draw another tag next year, you know, put, lace your shoes back up and we got to get out there, you know, like who cares? So, yeah. Yeah. It's all yeah. good, man. It's that, if that's it. You're not, if you're not eating tags every now and again, then you're not hot enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you need to, you need to maybe push yourself a little bit more. I don't know. It, it depends on what your motives are, right? Like if you're a legit meat hunter, um, you know, then, then you probably shouldn't be eating any tags, you know, because there's a lot of, there's usually opportunity on every hunt, you know, for the most part. But, you know, if you're, if your yeah. personal goal is to, you know, kill a mature bull or a bigger buck or whatever, then it's like, you know, if you're, yeah, like you said, if you're not eating a tag every so often, like you're probably not, you know, you're just not doing it enough or whatever, but yeah. yeah. What a, what a good uh, way to wrap up like a, a new year's Eve, uh, slash into the literal, uh, overlap into the next year, two hour. I feel like Joe Rogan doing like a two hour podcast and like just getting all, 
just getting all like reflective on hunts and life and everything and like it's awesome so well yeah best best part we can do it again next year <laughs> yeah and we'll we'll get our we'll get our revenge yeah we were just talking the other day and i'm like oh i'm i'm only gonna do it i want to see hunts for myself yeah i just i want them to be i've kind of gotten to the point you know before like i want all the tags and now i feel like i'm kind of you know moving over towards i'd rather have one or two and really make them count yeah you know because you know we just got done talking about how it's you know beneficial sometimes to eat a tag and learn but i hate it like i freaking hate not killing on a hunt that i put all this time and money and effort into like it it is the worst (laughs) so yeah and i think the best way to fix that is to put in fewer tags and really you know you know find work hard to try and find what you're actually looking for well and like i i think that's going to be our whole next like you know one of the upcoming podcasts uh is kind of rolling into next year and like applications and how we go about you know the strategies of what we put in for and why and stuff like that and we'll you know i think that's a good segue to end on of like you know we'll we'll get into like you know, how our perspectives have changed over the last, you know, 15 or 20 years of doing this. And like, you know, when it's okay to, you know, not actually apply for a hunt and why we're thinking what we're thinking when we do it and kind of all that, you know, that whole perspective. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Well, I, I say that, I say that application shows up. I'll, I'll be fun <laughs> for everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I Little just told. Four tags. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I was almost mad that I drew that uh, odd ad hunt before I went this last year, and then like I just told my boss today, I was talking to him, and I'm like, dude, we were talking about some odd ad hunts that we're that we're doing for work, and I was like, dude, I gotta draw another odd ad tag. Like that was so much fun. I gotta get back down there. Like <laughs> it's like my only priority yeah. right now is like odd ad. <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh, well, cool, man. Yeah, it'll be another, it'll be another busy year. Like yeah. Always, yep. It always, always is. Good. Yep. It always is. Well, happy new year. Uh, we'll, uh, I, I may even end up have splitting this into two, you know, kind of like the first part and then your hunt and then maybe my hunt or something like that. But, uh, yeah, man, thanks for jumping on. Uh, yeah. It's still, uh, 1148 here so 12 more minutes and then it'll be well happy new year here having spent 48 minutes in uh 2020 i can tell you that it is how does it feel exactly it It feels like it's time for bed (laughs) (laughs) see ya yeah my uh wife is texting me i'm sitting here i'm throwing my computer and she's texting she's like i think i'm gonna go to bed yeah Yeah. Like 10 more minutes to New Year's. 10 more minutes. What are you doing? You're old. You just go to bed. You don't care. All right. See you, buddy. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, 
please visit findingbackcountry.com.